we want to welcome you. We want to welcome you to New Life Horizon Church. It is a blessing to be in the presence of the Lord. And we want you to know that we appreciate you coming and fellowshipping with us. It is a beautiful thing to see your beautiful faces each week. It's, it's an honor for us to be able to corporately worship together. In the middle of COVID, we were still here together. And so we just want to tell you that we appreciate you one and all. This morning, our scripture reading is taken from Romans 8, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in, in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. I chose this scripture because um. Truth is, we we do not necessarily like to admit this, but it's a part of natural life in terms of suffering. Suffering with Christ is natural. It's like breathing. It's expected. Um, the first part of the scripture stated that we are heirs with Christ if we are children of God. The reality is that that means we have an inheritance. We have a privilege. We have the privilege of being co-heirs with Christ. It is something that we receive by grace. The grace of God, we didn't, we didn't work for it. We weren't born into it. But Christ adopted us into his family. And so... We have an inheritance that we didn't do anything to get it. It is because of the grace of God. It is something that we receive as a result of accepting Christ. We accept Christ and we now have this privilege. And we can call Abba Father. Earlier in, in, in Romans 8, it says that we can cry out Abba Father. No long, longer do we have to go to the priest and, and, and say, okay, this is my offering. But we can go to the throne room of grace and say, Father, help. We are not, um, not stepchildren, but we are real children. We have a real inheritance to look forward to. We are co-here with Christ. So God looks upon us just the way he looks upon Jesus. And that for me, that is awesome. That's not no dibby-dibby promise. It's not a promise where, oh, you know, if, if I'm bad today or me never feel like praying, me lose my inheritance. No. I have a privilege to be alongside, to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is something that is for us. It is, it is, we have been given this awesome gift, but we live this life like we don't shudden and we pop down and we're struggling. We are royalty, royal priesthood. 
We are a holy nation. We don't have to work ourselves up to it. The Holy Spirit is there and we have received the privilege of being coherent. It's like you have a mass, it's like, okay, we have this massive company and we are CEO of the company. We are co-CEO in the company and we don't know, but we're still in there sweeping out, cleaning and, and, and we can make decisions and we, we are not doing it. It is a hope that we have. This is something we have to look forward to. It says that we, um, as we go through the suffering, suffering, experiencing suffering with Christ, is synonymous with receiving his glory. If there's no suffering, there's no glory to get. If there is no suffering, there is no glory. So, Suffering is a natural part of Christianity. Suffering looks different for each of us. Maybe if you don't have no money, it don't matter to you, it's not suffering. Maybe if you don't have no health, it don't matter to you. But whatever it is, whatever your suffering is, whatever cross you have to bear, when you look to the left and you look to the right, it is you alone and you receive your glory at the end when Christ comes. You receive your crown of glory at the end. But right now, you are seated in heavenly places and you're co-here with Christ. And you can go to your father with freedom. Complete freedom. Because you are not a stepchild. You are a child of God. And that is a privilege. An inheritance that we share. So please remember, without suffering, there is no glory. We receive the glory of God through suffering. And each of us suffering is different. So on that basis, let us move on to our, in our worship service. Let us just take a moment in prayer. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness of giving us this privilege. We ask you to just come even now and have your way in our service, have full freedom, have full reign, move according to how you choose to move, Holy Spirit. As we listen to you and be attentive to you, Come and just have your own way. But every person under the sound of my voice, I pray that they would understand that we are not stepchildren, but we are real children. Jesus loves us the same, God loves us the same way he loves Jesus. God the Father is interested in each and every person on this platform. God the Father is interested in every person under the sound of my voice. He loves people and he wants each of us to make the decision to come to know you as Lord and as Savior, to come into his family, but it is a choice. And when we come into that family, Father, cause us to understand 
that we are not stepchildren, but real children. And so we can behave accordingly. We can run into you. We can run up to you and worship you. We can bow down. We can do any single thing according to the spirit of God, knowing that this is our father and he accepts us. He accepts us from the very beginning. Once we have said yes to him, he, his acceptance is complete. He's not looking and hoping that we will sin. He has given us all power and authority over sin. And so cause each person to have that revelation knowledge this morning, Father God. Each person to know that we are joint heirs with you, Jesus, and we have an inheritance. Father, come and have your own way in this place. And just move and shift. Shift hearts. Touch lives. Transform them. In Jesus' name we pray to you when you recognize that you are in the presence of God. For some, you will hear them say, in the presence of God, I become undone. What does it mean to become undone? My understanding of it is that all of who I am dissipates, disappears. And all of what God wants me to be suddenly confronts me. And it's either I embrace what he wants me to be. Or flee from his presence. Because self cannot stand in his presence. So when we invite his presence, we need, we need to understand the enormity of what we are doing. Because when his presence comes, we are transformed. So all that we thought and our beliefs about ourselves and what we want to be and what we want to do, they become undone. I want, us to, I want us to grasp the magnitude of being undone. Being undone in his presence. Recognize that when we invite him to come, notice, notice the first song, we are his temple. We invite him to come and indwell us, his presence to indwell us when his presence comes. Can't, can't be business as usual. How we outlive his presence also changes. Because if something or someone indwells you, you're going to manifest it. His presence comes, it shakes up, it, it, it shifts, it transforms. It mashes up, it mashes up our form of godliness 
and, and demands spiritual transparency and holiness from us. It, his presence literally leaves us naked before him. For nothing is hid from his presence. So as we invite his presence, I want us to ask his Holy Spirit to help us to wrap our minds around the enormity of what it means when we practice his presence. We invite his presence and we practice to live constantly and consistently in his presence. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us to wrap our minds around the enormity of what it means to practice the presence of God. I, I, I charge you and I challenge you, my brethren, I, I challenge you to do justice and watch your life be transformed and your relationship with God move to another level. Bless you. Thank you, Sister Tashina. Thank you. Um, we were about to do the offering, however, um, I am felt led to change this morning. Our prayer request for, as we said before, more people come on, welcome. I'm asking you to put your prayer request in the chat. And um, I'd just like us to stop for a moment and pray to the Lord with the prayer request. Um, we are going to do this a little bit later. I'm sensing there is a need for um, I see that Karen, prayer for your family and um, prayer for protection and provision for pastors' children. My prayer request is that um, pray for my mother. She is missing. She has Alzheimer's and I just got a message from my brother that she's missing. I also have a prayer request to pray for the children of Afghanistan. They're suffering. The parents, they're selling their organs to feed their children. I saw a news report yesterday where they were showing you the stomachs that they have one of their kidneys. They have sold, each parent has sold one of their kidneys for these children. So I have two prior requests, prior for my mother, to, for us to find her. And um, for the children of Afghanistan. So we're just gonna take a time out to pray Tashina, you may play the music now, but we want everybody to play, pray. There are 13 people on this line, and we're asking that every single person prays. So we want to pray for provision for pastors' children, um, for Onika, for 
Jordan surgery, for Karen's family, for my mother who is missing and for the children in Afghanistan who they're starving. Their parents are selling them off to survive. So Tashina, you want to go ahead and, and, and pray. Every person, once you can open your mouth, you can pray. So let us pray.
This song was written by one of the sons of this house. his confession that God is good and he works wonders yes hallelujah we're gonna sing it all over again now a friend of mine Dick Mills he's with the Lord now but he told us a story years ago he's really being harassed by the devil so he got two chairs made them face each other in a room he said, devil, sit down. I'm going to worship God, and you're going to watch me. Hallelujah. And if you knew Dick, you knew that's exactly how he would do it. We've come here with all kinds of opportunities, open doors, levels of favor. We've come with all kinds of challenges. We've come with all kinds of problems. We've come with all kinds of stuff. And I'd like if there's any way you can do it, just stick all of it right in front of you. We don't need greater strategies. We don't need, I believe in it, but we need him. We need the almighty God to be so present upon us, with us, in us, through us, all around us. 
and I don't know, we may sing this for another hour, except we probably exhaust the team, but I, I want us to sing this song for a while. I want them to start at the beginning. And I want you to take everything you can think of that you're facing, that's a challenge, that's an impossibility. I want you to look at it solid and then begin to declare that our God is the God of miracles. Our God is the God of miracles. Everybody open your mic and give God thanks for answered prayers. Give God thanks for the miracle that is coming. Give God thanks for the miracle work of God. He is faithful. Open your mind and give God thanks. Open your mind and give Hallelujah. We put uh, hands, Mother. Everyone on this line, uh, now, yeah. under the blood of Jesus, and we say the enemy, you must take flight. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. We are storming your throne, God, and we are expecting answers. Father, we are asking now to locate and in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of the living God, we ask you, God, that the children that is dead, that you would reach down and provide, because you are Jehovah Jireh. Father, we stand in the ground of my sins of the Afghanistan, and we say, Lord, forgive my wicked work, and silence the son of the
you God we thank you we um, thank you the same power go ahead Karen sister Anne um, pastor can you check your message please um, on, 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 on Zoom hallelujah hallelujah okay go, go ahead um, Karen 
I got I got a word as we were praying, and the Lord showed me an image. And I'm gonna share it. I'm gonna do screen share. Can you give me coat, please, Pastor? I'm gonna do screen share and show you what the Lord showed me and tell and tell you what I'm getting from the Lord this morning. Yes, Lord, thank you. This is what the Lord is saying to us this morning. As we prayed, he has opened the floodgates of heaven. And just as these sheep are running through the gate, that is how the answers to our prayers are running through the floodgates of heaven and being dispersed in different directions. So wherever we are, that is where our answer is coming to find us. Just as the sheep are running all over. So receive the word this morning. Receive the word this morning. Thank you for sharing, Karen, because in the middle of our worship, I felt like the Lord just said, thank you. It is well. I felt yeah. like he was just saying it is well. And that's yeah. the reason why I said, open your mic and recognize mm. that we have a hope in Jesus. He cannot be anything but faithful. Mm. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what happens, he's a good God. When I received that mm -hmm. message, I spoke to my brother this morning, but I did not read my message. So I did not realize that he said my mother was missing. He was telling me that, oh, I have to go to Atlanta and whatever. And I said, okay, yes, 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 I have to go to church. I didn't read the message. When I read the message in the middle of worship, I got so angry. I said, imagine, I hear serving God and you know my mother is missing. I got a anger because right. to me it's like you pray and you pray for covering for everybody and every single soul and yet still this morning when i come to worship and focus on the lord you come in now to tell me that my mother missing devil is a liar he's a thief he comes to steal and to destroy and no way no power from hell is going to stop me from praising the lord Amen. I got Amen. so angry. Hallelujah. I got so angry. Hallelujah. And I decided to praise the Lord despite what happened. I decided to praise and praise through it. And I felt the Lord said, It is well. No matter what, no matter what the circumstances you're going through this morning, it is well. Amen. Before it we call, well. He answered. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is. It is. It is well in your circumstances, brothers and sisters. It is well. It is well. There mm. is no glory without suffering. Mm. No glory. Let us continue in service to the lord let us continue to worship our god show him how much we love us love him and care for each other with our offering our tithes and our offering this morning
let us enter into a place of worship. The Lord said he gave his only son. And when we give, it is a sign of love. It is a sign that we trust the Lord. It is a sign to say, Father, what I know is nothing. And I am trusting you because you said I'm to give and we're to give from a place of cheerfulness, of willingness. This morning, scripture reading for offering is taken from Proverbs 3. And it starts from 5 and I will go down to about verse 10. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. I'm reading from the NIV, the old NIV that is. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflow and your vats will brim over with new wine. When we give to the Lord, brothers and sisters, it's from a place of trust in the Lord, knowing that when you give to him, his agreement with you is that he will cause that your, whatever is left back is not eaten out by locusts and all the different things that will come up. But you trust, you, you come and you say, Lord, this is my tithe. This is my offering unto you, and I'm trusting you to take care of me. Your source is not your job. Your source is not your business. Your source is God. And he is the only one who is able to increase or to decrease you. So we give from a place of love and from a place of trust in the Lord. When you have time, just research this scripture a little bit more and you'll understand what giving means. For those who are listening on Mixalar and those who are on the platform and they want to give, you may give to our Zelle account, newhorizonmin at gmail.com or to our, through our phone number of 469-033. 0397 or you may use the Give Lify app and it's New Life Horizon Church and our emblem is a N that is green, a L that is red, a H that is green and there's a leaf with a red vein running through it and you may give through these different apps. Let us pray over the offering. Father God, we ask you to come, Father, as individuals have given unto you their tithes and their offering. They have come into the house of God and they have given unto you. Father, we pray, almighty God, that even now, Lord, 
that you would cause their barns to be filled with plenty and their vats to overflow with new wine. Using your words to you, Lord, you said, trust me in this. Test me. That's the only place in the Bible that we, you ask us to test you. And we are testing you this morning in giving unto you, Lord God. And as usual, Father, we are looking to you, not to what we have given. We plant our seeds from a place of love. We plant our seeds from a place of recognizing, Father God, that everything on the face of this earth belongs to you. And all we're doing is planting our seeds. Father, we give you thanks for the offering. And we pray, Lord God, that all who gave, that you would come and bless their household. Full measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into their bosoms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We continue with our announcement this morning. And our announcements are Acts study this week. We continue in the book of Acts. We will be sharing on Peter in his Gentile ministry and on the church of Antioch. Um, this will be starting 7 p.m. EST on the 31st of January, which is tomorrow, Monday. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you. Our Zoom number is 584-033-6193. And our password is NLH in caps, prior, and it's one word. For those who are listening on MixLR. We're looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. We're excited. It's usually a very um, interesting study. And um, everybody is, is expected to participate when we come online. Our next announcement is our corporate trial and time on Wednesday, February 2nd. Um, this begins at 6 p.m to 7 p.m. CST and 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. EST. It's our time, we will be fasting on Wednesday. Wednesday is actually our corporate fasting day. And so we fast on that day and you're, you have a prayer partner and you'll be praying. If you don't have a prayer partner, let us know, get in touch with um, Pastor and she'll place you with someone to pray together and so we'll pray together and in the evening we come and we have our corporate prayer meeting. This week our focus will be on Kenya missions. We're going off pretty soon to partner with Kenya, Rehoboth Church. Um, our next announcement is our Kenya missions. We're going to Kenya again, February 23rd. Um, we will be ministering to the spiritual and physical needs of the Kenyan people. We'll be su su supplying Bibles in Swahili, facil facilitating Alpha classes. Uh, we'll be doing art and craft and bake baking workshops, providing families a supply of meals for a few days. The estimated cost per family will be $15. And we're asking you to partner 
with us to sponsor a family or you know what we may need for the art and craft supplies with the the, the kingdom of god function not on ear but we need money we need your money so we need you to dig deep we, we need you to partner with us not just with money but also with prayer and not just with prayer but also with money if we don't have money we can't function very well and we can't function efficiently so um we're asking you to give to the missions of kenya there are some people who are not have not yet completed the missionaries that are going there are some people who have not yet completely have their funds in line so you can also give to that um sister tash um i am so busy singing that song i'm lost track of time however um sister please continue to pray for the speaker my dear Mighty God, the same God was a glorious God. The same God, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Moses. He's the same God. He's the same God and he's here with us now. Mighty God. And even now, Lord, we come before you and we place on the altar before you. You're appointed and you're anointed for this hour, for this time. Mighty God, come in your strength and in your power and fall afresh on her. Fill her up to overflowing, to bursting. And so that out of her innermost being, shall flow rivers of living waters and may what will flow from her overwhelm us like a flood may no one here lord be left untouched may no one here almighty god be left unchanged Speak through her. Speak through her. I present your daughter as a vessel that is holy and acceptable unto you, O oh God, for your willing and your awesome service. And so even our Holy Spirit of God, we believe that you have downloaded what it is that you want her to impart to your people today. Oh God, and we pray that as the words proceed from her mouth, the words will be blessings unto our hearts. We will be charged, we'll be chastened, Almighty God, and we will be challenged in the name of Jesus Christ. But I pray, first of all, that you will use the word to work on her so that she will make manifest the transformative power of your word, even as she speaks. 
Lord, may nothing that she, she will say be misconstrued or misunderstood. May it not be taken and twisted and so it loses its purpose. May, oh God, your word go forth like a two-edged sword. May your word go forth and find fertile ground upon which to fall. May, it, may your word go forth from your daughter and be like seeds firmly planted and rooted in our hearts, even as you speak through your messenger. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for her. And thank you for the ministry and the calling that you've placed on her life. And we ask you even now, Lord, to use her once again. Use her for your glory. May her ears, her heart, and her spirit be so attuned and in touch with you that even as she speaks... Almighty God, and you, you, you feel the need to switch and to change. She'll be attuned to your spirit and hear your instructions clearly, Almighty God, and will be able to follow them without hesitation. Be glorified, Almighty God, as your word goes forth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Tashina. Good morning, everyone. Open your mic and answer me, please. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's morning still for Tamar, so we are on the same clock. Yeah. And it's, morning for me. Evening for Pastor Larry. And it is afternoon for some. But good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What a privilege. Imagine we're on three different time clocks. Good that evening. is God. That is God in, a, in and of himself. Um, the text I want to look at today is First Peter, all of First Peter. I'll be going and moving through. And so I won't read a particular text, but I will trust that you will, when I'm finished, be like the Berians, write the scriptures, don't go and check them. Did she quote them right? Did she say things that was not like that, that, that weren't actually, actually the words of God? I want you to challenge us when we speak on a Sunday. Go back and look at the scriptures that are referenced to see if those who share on a, on a Sunday, are they speaking what God has, has quoted in his words? Or are we just saying things from our mind and, 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 and what they call pretexts? So I just want you this morning, I just want you to prepare your hearts to hear from God, not from me. I just said to him, I said, Lord, at any point in time, you can discard what I did because I want to say what you want your people to hear more than I want to tell them what I have prepared. And so, Father, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing me to the point where you mean more to me than everything else. I thank you, Father, that my, my, my words are lining up with my heart. 
I thank you, Father, that my desire for you is growing stronger and stronger each day, not because of my own doing, but because of the Holy Spirit who is activated in me and working in me and building and changing and, 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 and moving and scrubbing and doing all the work that needs to be done in me so that I will look more like Christ. I thank you, Father, that the words that I speak this morning, God, are go only going to be your words because I ask that you preface them, God. I ask, Father God, that you omit what needs to be omitted and you change what needs to be changed, God. I pray, Father God, that you'll allow your people to filter through their ears, God, only what you desire for them to hear and what is applicable to their own lives. Father, as Tashina said, may nothing be misconstrued. May, may there not be a miscommunication because someone heard something other than what you intend for them to hear but father i pray today that you holy spirit will be the be the one who activate everything today father cause transformation cause conform conforming god confirmation where people will conform god to the image of christ father i give you thanks this morning I bless your name. I thank you for giving me an opportunity. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So the topic of my message this morning is, can be quite controversial. There is purpose in your suffering. There is purpose in your suffering. Actually, I'll go a little further and be more controversial by saying your suffering is necessary. I'll go a little further, a little deeper, and it cause you know to, to look at me through one eye. Your suffering is beneficial to you. There is purpose in your suffering there is purpose in your pain there is purpose why you are going through the type of suffering you are going through the pain you're experiencing the trial you are facing and not the trial i am facing there is purpose God knows why he allows some to have sickness, while some to go through divorce, while some to have problems with children, while some to have marital issues, while some never get married. God knows the, the, the suffering that he allows. And I'm going to use the word allow because nothing can happen unless he allows it. Because of the nature of who he is, he's sovereign. He is the only God. And every other form of creation must bow to him. So if he did not allow it, how can it happen? So because of that, I can boldly say to you this morning, there is a purpose in your trial, in your suffering, in your pain. Are you able, from what I just said, said to you, are you able to discern when to patiently endure a suffering, when to repent of a sin that may be caused by a suffering or when to resist the enemy who is attacking you through suffering. And I will repeat, are you able to discern 
when to patiently endure a suffering? And these are rhetorical questions, but I want you to think about them and answer them right where you are, because I'm not, I know you won't be able to, to answer me. Are you able to discern when you went, when to patiently endure suffering? When to repent of a sin while going through pain and suffering, because the suffering could possibly be cause of the, of, of, of the, of the, pain, the sin could possibly be the cause of the suffering. Or when to resist the enemy who is attacking you through suffering. I want you to think about it because as we go through, I want you to be able to identify which one you could be operating in your life right now. If you are experiencing trials or if you just came out of one or to be cognizant when you're going to go through because we're, we're either in one stage or the other. We're either in one coming out of one or preparing to go through one. Suffering, based off what I just said, is a natural human experience. It is basically inevitable. You heard them mention conflict is inevitable, so is suffering. To an unbeliever, it may just be a painful experience. But to the believer, Peter in 1 Peter 4, 12 tells us that it is more than a painful experience. He said, yes, it's a fiery ordeal, ordeal, but it's designed with purpose. It is that designed to test you. So do you believe now that there is purpose in your suffering? Because God designed a fiery ordeal just for you. He wants to test you. Suffering comes in various forms and, and, and all different types of griefs and all different forms. Some are relational suffering because you have suffering with a, with, a, with, a, with a spouse or with a partner or with a friend or a family member. There's mental suffering. There's physical suffering, and we know about the physical suffering, the sickness and the death, the health issues. There is spiritual suffering where there is that separation between you and God, and there's a war going on in the spirit and in the heavens for your soul. There's a financial suffering where you're unable to meet your bill payments, and most of us cry out to the Lord louder for that one. But sometimes the source and purpose of your suffering is not immediately obvious. Sometimes you can't understand, am I suffering because this is something God is, it, 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 it has chosen for me? Am I suffering because I have sinned? Am I suffering because the enemy is attacking me? Am I suffering because I'm in a broken world? But if you trust that you're holy, Good and sovereign God allows it. As I said to you before, there's no suffering, trial, pain, affliction, trouble that you and I will ever undergo unless God does not allow it. That's, that, 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 let us set that as the foundation. Suffering has to be allowed by God for it to happen. He may not be the initiator of the suffering, 
but he must allow it for it to happen. So if he allows it, no matter the source, it is safe to trust his wisdom and his faithfulness. We just did a song, he is the same God. He is the same God of miracles. And we, and we believed it and we said, yes, he is the same God. The same God of Abraham. He is the same God of Isaac. He is the same God. He is the same God. He is the same God who parted the Red Sea for Moses. He is the same God who fed the Israelites in the wilderness. He is the same God. And we believe in the God of miracles. And we, and we say that with confidence when we're singing. But I want you to know today that when you are going through the trials, and when you don't get a call in the next 10 minutes and that she's found, you have to believe that is the same God. Because this is trial for you. This is suffering for you. This is painful experience for you. And God is saying, this fiery ordeal, and I have allowed it to test you. Will you trust the same God? The miracle working God. He is the same God. Therefore, if he allows suffering, it is for good. It is for a purpose. It is beneficial. It is necessary. It is for your, our eternal benefit and for his eternal glory. And I will repeat. God allows suffering for our eternal benefit fit our eternal glory god has the power to work out your pain and my pain and your suffering and my suffering for our good first peter 5 10 says and after you have suffered a little while a little while because it is little in comparison to the eternity of spending time with god so remembering francis chan's rope he showed us a rope and I'll use my pencil. And he says, our time on earth is like the eraser. But eternity is even longer than the pen because it, 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 it is continuous. It is continually. There's no end to it. And so he says, whatever you undergo is just the size of the eraser. The trials and the tribulations. The things that we go through, the pain, the sickness, the relational issues, the financial woes are just the size of the eraser. Because God is saying, it is eternal benefit why I allow you to suffer now. It is for eternal glory of God, as Anne mentioned this morning. No suffering, no glory. We cannot share in the glory of Christ until we suffer. So God is saying to you and he's saying to me, it's after a little while. The God of all grace who has called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, not for, for today only, will confirm you, will, will strengthen and establish you, not for the eraser benefit or the length of the eraser, but for eternal The background of First Peter, I would love for you to understand. So I want you to know that what you are facing and undergoing are not unique. The struggles, the suffering, the pain are not unique to you. Peter wrote 
to Jewish and Gentile Christians who were familiar with all different types of suffering. One, they were exiles. So to be exiled, they were living in a land not of their birth. They were living in a land not because they chose to go there, but because they, they were persecuted and they had to scatter. So that already is one form of suffering, persecution. Now, and not only persecution, but persecution that you had to leave home and flee. They were lived, scattered to the provinces of Pontius to all the way to Bithynia, like about five different Asia, the, the, the scripture mentioned, which is basically now for us modern day Turkey. They were living under the oppressive rule of Rome. And Rome had instituted idol worshiping and celebrated debauchery. So imagine, imagine you, you, you were persecuted. You run from your home and you got to a place where you are now oppressed because one, you're a foreigner. Two, because you do not worship the same God that the country in which you are, you, you are living now, the people are worshiping. They were unliked and accused of moral behavior and civil disobedience. So because they did not worship the idols of Rome, they, 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 they said they, they were disobedient. And those things were, and disobedience was, was punishable by death. First Peter 2 verse 12. They were unfairly treated by their master. That's First Peter 2, 18, 20 tells us. And some of them were married to men and women who were unbelievers. That in and of itself is suffering. To be married to an unbeliever is suffering. They were being persecuted for doing what was right. 1 Peter 3, 14 to 17. Rome was polytheistic, meaning that they worshipped all different types of God. While the, 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 the Christians was, were monotheistic, meaning they only had one true God. So imagine living a culture where everything can be a God, but you have a belief system that there's only one true God. That in and of itself is suffering because you will be opposed and ridiculed. You would have been forced to do things that are out of your moral compass and out of your doctrinal belief. They, 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 Rome widely persecuted them just because they, they had faith in Jesus and became, and the suffering became their everyday experience. So where you may go through suffering in a period, suffering for them was an everyday experience. Under Emperor Nero, they were fed to the lions because they were Christians. So once Nero knew that they were Christians, they were fed to the lions. And he would like, he, he would lick the bodies of Christian and use them as torches for his garden party. So imagine he would set the Christians ablaze and have them in areas standing up, just burning to keep the place lit. Do you think you're, do you, do you believe that you are not suffering yet? Do you believe that our suffering pale in comparison to what men and women then undergo or under when go, when, when undergo just to bear the name of Christ, just to say they are Christians? 
So Peter's letter to that you and I are reading are not just to mere men and women, but are to people who suffered and struggled and, and endured a lot. And Peter is now saying to them, I'm writing to encourage you to persevere in faith. Even though you are suffering, even though you are being persecuted, not for doing evil, not for wrongdoing, but for doing good. He tells them that God would restore them. He would strengthen them. He would make them firm and steadfast. And all he says to them, keep on resisting the devil and stand firm in faith and be of hope. In every area, every culture, in every town, in every city, in every home, individuals face sufferings of every kind, varying types of suffering. And you and I may be privy to hear people, and we may have done it, where we question God, are you real? Are you a loving God? Because if you are a loving God, how could I be going through this? Why have you not changed my situation? If you are a loving God, why am I struggling? Why can't I pay my bills, God? Why are my children not saved, God? Why... Am I enduring this in my, my, my relationship, God? Why am I being oppressed by my master? Because as I said to you before, they were oppressed by their masters. They were unfairly treated. They were persecuted for doing, doing, doing right. They were married to unbelieving spouses who, who, who no doubt would have been totally against what they did or what they believed. And so they, what they were experiencing or what you and I are experiencing are no different from what the ancient Christians experienced. And today I want to, to present to you four causes of suffering. And I'm open at the end that if you may find another one or you want to question one, that we can have that discussion. There are four main types of suffering or causes of suffering. Suffering due to living in a broken and a fallen world. Suffering that comes about because of our personal sin or sins. Suffering due to Satan's attack. And suffering based on the assignment or suffering that is assigned by God. So I want to look at the first one. Our suffering based or as a result of living in a broken and a fallen world. In Genesis 3, 1 to 9, Adam and Eve sinned against God. Their sin resulted in a world no longer as God has intended it to be, but now a broken and a fallen world where death, sickness, evil, sin entered. The suffering became a consequence of sin. And as a result, every human being will experience some form of suffering. Whether it's the death, sickness, some level of evil, we will all experience. So there are things that are going to happen in your life. For instance, death, 
aging, that beautiful skin, that lovely shaped body, that muscular body, those pecs and biceps and triceps are disappearing because of a broken world. Ear loss, broken world. Sagging skin, broken world. Evil people with evil intention, a broken world. And then you may wonder, but why would God allow Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit in the garden when he, he was sovereign and he, he could have made them in a way that they never ate or desired to eat of the fruit? But again, it speaks of the nature of our God. Because of his sovereignty, he gives men and women free will, free choices. And so in giving them a free choice, they chose. And the result, a broken world and the entrance of suffering. So what could be the purpose of suffering in a broken world? So how can my suffering or your suffering in a, because of a broken world be beneficial to me or beneficial to you? I want to ask you a question. Could it be that God allows death to teach us that he's more concerned with the state of our relationship with him than he is with the years we live on earth? Think about it. Could it be that God is saying, death I have allowed because I am more interested with our relationship than I am in you living until you're 400, 500 years? Or could it be that God is saying, I am more interested in intimacy with you than I am in you being healed because when you are sick, you come to me more. Could it be? Just throwing it out. Not saying it, but I want you to think about it. Could it be that although Satan's plan was to use death for termination, God says, my intended purpose for death was to separate man from himself. So that he can transition and be totally reconciled to him, God. Think about it. So Satan meant it for evil. He says, death, I am, I am in sin brings death. And death for the, Satan means termination, end. The one who comes to steal, kill and destroy. But God is saying, could, could God be saying rather that my intended purpose for death or my intended purpose, or my reason for allowing death, was to separate you from yourself. Because in separating you from yourself, you now get an opportunity to, to, to be reconciled fully to God. Where you are no longer living in a body that is motivated and driven and having the desire to sin. But instead, you're living in a body. You're, you're now being separated so you can be one. So that you can freely worship the way you were in initially designed to worship. 
A man who finds and fulfills his purpose dies in peace and with confidence. But a man who does not fulfill his purpose is killed, is murdered. I will repeat. A man who finds his purpose and fulfills his purpose dies in peace and with confidence. But a man who does not, and when I say man, I'm meaning mankind, but a man who does not is killed, is murdered, untimely death, purpose unful, not fulfilled. Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 67 says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What confidence. What peace. For at the end of a man's life, he can say, I have been poured out. So he's saying, I have suffered. I have suffered. I have been poured out. Like drink offering. And the time of my ending, the time of my death is near. But I can say confidently, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. There's nothing else to do. And I have kept the faith. Will that be our declaration at the end of our life, which we don't know when? Can we truly say we have fought the good fight? We have been poured out like drink offering. We have finished our race and we have kept the faith. My next point or looking at the next type of suffering is that we suffer due to our personal sins. Romans 2, 9 to 10 tells us that there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does and keeps on doing what is evil so perpetual evil perpetual sinning but he was quick to remind us of the contrast but glory and honor and peace from god for all who do good so just because of our personal sin and our perpetually sinning trouble and distress is guaranteed 1 Peter 3.12 says, The eyes of the Lord look favorable upon those who do right. And his ears are open, attentive, and eager to answer the prayer of the righteous. But he turns his face against those who practice evil. All of us love answered prayers. All of us want God, want when we pray, God goes like Shazam! And it is answered but could it be that our, some of our unanswered prayers is because there is a pattern of sin in our lives that needs to be addressed just ring it out think about it sin affects us physically and all the different alleys that you can think of it affects us it separates us from god and it stands as a barrier between us and God's blessing. 
So imagine God wants to bless you and there is this thing standing as a barrier so the blessing cannot connect because something is standing in the way of the blessing. Sin robs us of our peace. It robs us of our joy. It robs us of our relationship with others and our, as I said earlier, prayers being answered. The truth is, whether directly or indirectly, someone is going to suffer for every time you and I sin. Every time we sin, someone suffers. If I gossip about you, I suffer. The person I'm gossiping with you, about you with, suffers. Because they, they no, I, I pull them into that ordeal. If I am malicious, I suffer. If I am jealous, I suffer. If I allow, en if I act out of envy, everybody suffers. If I am not united, all of us suffers. A friend of mine, loves guinep and you know all of us jamaicans we know guinep the sweet jelly like nature of guinep i don't know what you call it in kenya pastor larry but I, I i will show you i think we had it we had it in kenya i think i think we had it there no we never did okay so maybe it oh we had it i had it in grenada skin up they call it in grenada so she loves guinep and but she's also aware that although her love for guinep is I mean, I think I would consider her number one. Maybe, she, well, I would ask her, I will ask her and she will tell me another time when, what guinep is on our, on our most favored fruit or food. But she also understands that though she loves it or loves guinep, that guinep in and of itself has a damaging effect. It's, it has a stain in nature. So it's a sweet jelly-like nature, but it has a stain in nature. And so what I've observed her doing is that she has clothes dedicated to eating guinep. So she would not just eat guinep in her Sunday best or in her white blouse or in her thing that she considered valuable. She has clothes that she sits down and she said, today is the guinep eating day and she will eat the guinep in the clothes that are designated guinep clothes. She knows that if she gets guinea juice on her valued blouse, it will create a stain that will ruin the blouse and change its value and its use. She also is aware that stained guinea stains are resistive and it possibly would require a bleaching agent, detergent, and some scrubbing and rubbing to remove it. She understands that depending on the garment and the value of the garment and the fabric of the garment, that the effort and the work and the material used to remove the stain is necessary. That's Guinep. Thank you, Karen, for those of us like Pastor Larry who may not know it by the name we call it. Guinep. So the work done on the garment is determined by the size and the type of the stain. It's a very small stain. You may take a tool to finger, two fingers together, and you do a little thing. 
If it's a bigger stain, you know it's a longer rubbing. Some stains can be removed with detergent only, like maybe white, I would think that white wine stain may be able to be removed easier with some detergent. But Guinness stain needs bleach and scrubbing. Then there's the length of the time that the juice stay in the fabric because if, if as it drops, you, you are aware of it and you run to wash it out. You may get away with us removing it with water. But if you let it sit and dry and decide to do your laundry one week later, that thing is locked in. And it's worse if you didn't pay attention to it before and you put it in the dryer, the dryer now seal it and set the stain. So imagine washing a stain from a garment that is locked, the stain is locked in because you did not observe it, you did not act quickly enough, you didn't act on time, and you chose to wash it one week later, one month later, or put it in the dryer without noticing that there was a stain. Then there's the value of the garment. If it's an everyday shirt, like my friend's Guinea shirt, you may not spend any effort. You just say, okay, this is a guinep shirt, and you just eat it in a guinep, and so it will be a very stained shirt. But if it's an expensive shirt, you're going to ensure that you gently, especially if it is silky, gently wash it to remove it. And I, and, and, and I am building, I'm going somewhere. Just bear with me. I'm going somewhere. The characteristic of the garment is important because the color of the fabric also plays a role in how the stain is removed. If it is white, you can get away with bleach and you may say it may turn the fabric yellow. If it is a blue, if it, if it is light blue, you can't, you can't use bleach. It's gonna burn it out and leave a hole. So sin is like guinea juice. If you address it, Instantly, the moment you become aware of it, you may get away by washing it out lightly, by praying and, and, and confessing it. But if you sit with it and let it marinate and dry and become a part of you and become embedded in you, only the Holy Spirit can remove it. And he then comes as the detergent and as the bleaching agent. And he knows how tender and fragile we are. And so he has to wash little today little tomorrow, but he keeps moving at it. But he also knows that the sin or the stain is of such that he cannot leave it in you. And the longer it takes to address, the deeper the work needed to be done by the Holy Spirit to remove it. William Grenard says, God would not rub, would not Rub so hard if it were not to fetch out the stain that is ingrained in your nature. So once you find that you're suffering because of sin, God is saying, I am going to rub you until I get it out. Because God loves purity so well that he would rather see a hole in the spot of the garment than to see a stain. Because he knows that the stain is sin. While you can operate with a hole in a garment, but operating with a sin in a garment to God is, is lack of purity. So why would a God allow you to suffer when there is sin in your life? He knows that sin robs you of your holiness and your purity. 
he knows that he needs to get your attention because if he continues to allow us to sin and to sin and to sin, as human beings, we have no cap. We go deeper. And we add more because the more we get away with one sin, we just keep adding and we keep adding until sin takes us over. Where we know we're, we are no longer a garment with a stain. We are now stain, a stained garment. So could it be that the pain that you're experiencing is that because God is scrubbing and rubbing away at your pride? scrubbing and rubbing away at the sin in your life scrubbing and rubbing away because there's something in your life that needs to go hebrews 12 6 tells us that god disciplines the ones he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as his son so could it be that is because of the love of the father where you're in the turmoil that you're in now why you're so undecisive, why the decision that you're making or the doors you expect to open are not opening because God is disciplining the one he loves. First Corinthians 11, 30, verse 32 tells us that many among us are weak and sick and some are fallen asleep because they are judged by the Lord and are being disciplined. Listen to the reason so that they will not fight, be finally condemned with the world. So God will go after the stain and the sin in us, especially for those of us who are believers, because he, at the end, he does not want us to be condemned with the world. So could it be that God is going after something, a pattern of sin in your life? that needs to be removed by the lowing trials of many kinds, the fiery ordeals, the tribulation, the troubles, the sufferings. The next point, we suffer because of the attacks of the enemy. First Peter five verses eight to 10 tells us to be alert and sober because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But Peter instructs Christians, he said, resist him. Stand firm in faith, because the suffering that you're undergoing is not, you, is not a unique experience of yours. Remember, I started, ancient Christians were persecuted, not for doing bad, but for doing good. They were persecuted because they had, they believed in a monotheistic God. And because of that persecution come or came. The family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Everywhere you go where Christians are, Christians are going through suffering. And as I started out, suffering is not a unique experience to Christians. Suffering is an experience of all human beings. But when the enemy comes to attack, he attacks Christians. The God of grace, of all grace, who call you to his eternal glory in Christ, says, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you. He will make you strong. He'll make you firm and steadfast. Satan attacks in many ways. 
and his intent is to cause us to lose our trust and our faith in God. He wants to create a wedge in our communication and intimacy with God. And so he causes us to be disgruntled. He provides situations where we are despondent, where we become depressed. We are tired of being in a situation we are in and he gets us to that place where we sometimes in, in, in just being at that place, we, we, we lose out, we stop talking to God or we only talk to him about the things that concern us because we are having a struggle. And Satan is coming to attack, attack you in your mind, can't sleep at nights, worried. So what could be the purpose of God allowing Satan to attack a believer? Think about it. What could be the purpose? Let us look at Job. Job's suffering was long and difficult. Job lost everything in one day. Everything, his children, all of his possession in one day. Yet Job did not assume that God was punishing him. Notice Job's attitude. Neither was he bitter over God's treatment. Instead, Job became better. Job learned to worship God despite his financial depravity and his, and his health issues. Through his pain, he blessed the sovereign one and he says, that is where we, we got this song, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say. That's where we got the song in Job 1, 20 to 21. Job says, you give and you take away. So who am I to be upset? So we saw Job's attitude. Job learned to worship when he had a lot. But he also learned to worship when he had nothing. Anybody can worship on a mountaintop and shout, I have everything. But how many persons can worship in the valleys? Job learned to endure loss without compromising his integrity. Could it be that God allows or is allowing Satan to attack you because he's teaching you to endure loss without compromising your integrity? Could it be that God has allowed Satan to attack you because he's building your character, he's teaching you to overcome, he's developing discipline in you? Could it be that God is allowing Satan to attack you because he wants you to learn to worship, not only when it is good, not only when you have things the way, how you want it, but in the times when there is nothing? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? And you can fill in your could it be is because you know where your trials are. You know where your sufferings are. You know the pain that you're undergoing. The sleepless nights. The thing that would keep you up at nights while you cannot sleep. The, the thing that you pray about every time you open your mouth is the same thing. The same thing over and over and over. Could it be that God has allowed it for a reason? Suffering. Final one, suffering as an assignment from God. Rick Warren, I read, says, the greatest demonstration of God's love was not Jesus' perfect life, nor his sermons, nor his miracles. 
I'm going to repeat. The greatest demonstration of God's love was not through Jesus' perfect life. It was not through Jesus feeding the, 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 the hungry, healing the sick, raising the dead. That was not God's greatest demonstration of, of, of love. God's greatest demonstration of love was when he sent Jesus to suffer on a cross for you and for me. And in doing this, Jesus left an example for us to follow in his step. 1 Peter 2.21 Jesus was criticized. He was accused. He was spat upon. He was tempted. He was misunderstood. He was lonely. He brought his friends to hang out with him when he was praying and they fell asleep. He was unsupported. Yet he never sinned. Because Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Could it be that your pain, your suffering, your trial, your affliction is God's way of developing in you the same attitude as Christ? Could it be that your suffering is to prove how genuine your faith is according to 1 Peter 6 verse 7? Hebrews 12, 7 to 11 encourages us to endure suffering as discipline. Because even though painful, suffering is God's way of allowing us to share in his holiness. And mentioned it earlier, to share in his glory. And those who are trained by suffering will yield the fruit of righteousness and peace. Could it be that suffering is a commendable act before God? 1 Peter 2, 20. 1 Peter 4.1 tells us that whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Imagine suffering in the body. You are done with sin and it helps us to gain victory over sin. Could it be that your mess is to become your message, your test to become your testimony and your trial to become your triumph? Could it be that God is using the suffering you are undergoing, the hard time, the indecisions, the, the crossroad that you're at? Could it be that God is using it to conform it to the image of God? Romans 8, 29. Could it be that God is teaching you to persevere because you're known to give up? When you get to that crossroad, you, you want to give up. You are known to give up. You are known to, to quit and abort ship. And go, another, and go another route. Could it be that God is teaching you to persevere? Because he said perseverance must finish his work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James 1, 2 to 4. Suffering is an opportunity to grow in character. As I started out, suffering is beneficial. It is beneficial to suffer on behalf of Christ according to Philippians 1.29. If you see suffering as beneficial and having, and having a purpose, the way you respond to it will be different. If you see it as a stepping stone and not a stumbling block, the way you respond to it is different. If you see it as being used for, to bring transformation as opposed to crush you, the way you respond to it is different.
God uses suffering to develop holiness in unholy people. Our suffering in this present time cannot compare and mention it to the glory that is to be revealed, Romans 8, 18. So it's not every time you are suffering is because you sin. We saw that with the blind boy in, in John 9, 3, when they asked Jesus, who sinned? Jesus said, nobody sinned. This was just, he was afflicted so that the father can be magnified. You and I have the choice in the way we respond to suffering. We can choose to be bitter. We can choose to be better. We can choose to allow God to use it to prepare us for the purpose he had created us, for the bigger trial. You know what? The bigger the trial, the bigger the pain, the bigger the suffering, the bigger the purpose. I will repeat. The bigger your trial, the bigger your suffering, the bigger your pain, the bigger your affliction and trouble, the bigger the purpose. There is, I will say without apology, purpose in your suffering. There is purpose in your suffering. Pur suffering is necessary. And maybe what you dread the most is what God is using to prepare you because he knows that's the only thing he can use to get your attention. It's the only thing he can use to prepare you for the purpose you must accomplish. God knows what is best. And he knows who to allow divorce. He knows who to allow problem with children. He knows who to, to allow relational issue. He knows who to allow work issue. He knows who to allow, and he knows. He knows, and he knows, and he knows. He knows that if he allows some people to experience financial woes, they would make it. But he could, he could, he could trust them with something else. God knows. God may be using your pain to do something in you before he can do something through you. God will stop at nothing to make his people holy after the image of his son. So let us stop, not just go through suffering. Let us encourage each other as we suffer together. Let us bond our faith together so that we do not just go through suffering, but that we grow through suffering. Pain and suffering will change us, but how it changes us is up to us. We can either blame God or we can have confidence in God. Don't just go through pain. Go through it. You can run to God or you can run away from God in your suffering. You decide. Because suffering is a must. Suffering is necessary. Suffering brings you to the crossroad where you have to decide. It's either my way or God's way. And you can't keep kicking up against the gold. You can't keep pushing against a wall. Because the wall won't move. You have to move. 
how do you see your pain? How do you see your suffering? Could it be that coming right back to the first question I ask you? Could it be that some of the suffering that you're undergoing are suffering that are, you are to patiently endure? Or could it be that there's a sin pattern in your life that you need to repent? Or could it be that God has allowed the enemy to attack you? Because he's disciplining you. He's teaching you to be an overcomer. Could it be that God has an assignment for you? And without the suffering, you'll be unprepared, unready for the task he has proposed you to accomplish. So as I, 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 I'm, I'm at the end and I want you to think about it because all of us have been through some form of suffering. And as I started out, I said, it's either you are going through a trial now, you just came out of one or you're being prepared to go through one. What will your response be? What will your response be? Will you choose to be better? or bitter? Will you choose to push against a wall or will you choose to submit to God? Will you stop and reflect, stop and examine your thoughts, your motive, your attitude? Because one way or the other, we are going to suffer. One way or the other, we are going to suffer. And so I want to thank you, my sisters and brothers, for listening as a father. Lord, I shared as I sense you have called me to share. Lord, cause us, all of us, because the word is applicable to my life also, God, cause us to reflect. Cause us, Father God, when we are going through those dark times, cause us to stop and to see, God, why have you allowed this? Is it because you are going after something? Is it because you're looking at one, one suffering, re type of suffering or the other? Or is it that you're crying out, calling out to me for, for, because of something? God, cause us not just to think everything is of the enemy because everything is not of the enemy. God, but behind every suffering, it is our one sovereign God who must allow it. So cause us, Father God, to run to you. Cause us to grow through it. Cause us to have the right mindset, God. That we will look to you, God. We will look to you. We will run to you, God. Instead of kicking against the good. And so, Father, I thank you that this is not only at Sunday word but that this will be a lifetime word. That at every juncture of our lives, we will stop. Is my suffering because of a broken world? Is my suffering because I, there's a sin in my life? Is my suffering because God has allowed the enemy to attack me? Is my suffering because God is working, preparing me for an assignment? Answer, so, Father, bless your word unto our hearts and glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Over to you, Sister Anne.
Hallelujah. On time word, Pastor. We all need that. It's is is a sure word. Is a is a word that is transforming. Thank you very much for that word. Um. At this time, I wanted to do worship, but I just want us to take a minute and reflect on the suffering that you're going through to determine which is it. Do I need to repent? Do I need to endure? Do I need to overcome? Do I need to fight because it's an attack? Just take a minute. Let us not be too quick to run off. Where are we? To those who are listening online and you are not able to relate to anything on the platform. If there is someone on the platform who needs to recommit their life to Christ, who needs to say, Father, I'm coming back. I have been wayward. I have wanted to do my own thing. The truth is, instead of being a Christian, I've backslid. And I have walked away because I'm not getting my own way. If there is someone like that, I'm willing to pray for them. If you are listening this message, uh, listening to this message, and you don't know Lord the Lord as your Christ and Savior, this is an opportunity for you to come to the Lord. This is an opportunity for you to say, Lord, be Lord of my life. Come into my heart and transform my life to be more like you. So Father, thank you for the word. The word is, a, is, is on time, it is active, it goes and it cuts to the very heart of our core. We pray almighty God that as we listen to this word, it will be sobering. It will not be fleeting, but it will be sobering. We will go back through and reflect, where am I? Am I blaming God? Am I crying out for relief or am I going through the storm listening to when he says, this is the way to go. This is what I'm saying. How am I, how is my response? What is my response to this word? Yes, it's a good word, but how does it change me? How does it transform me? Father, we pray that every person on the sound of my voice will be transformed by this word. We'll go back through, Father God, to the scripture readings. We'll listen and cause change to come. Father, have your own way in our lives and through us.
cause us to be changed into the image of Christ. In Jesus' name.